This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Good Wednesday to you. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. It is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. I'm Sean Kelly, and uh, greetings from campus today on Airline Drive. Daniel Sallerson's in Studio B with me, and uh, we're ready to go. We've got a good show for you planned, and it is a really busy day here on campus uh, for both teams. So the Saints go back to work today, uh, full go, and now prepare for San Diego in this uh, short week. And the Pelicans uh, have a full training camp schedule today as they are ramping up for preseason game number one on uh, Saturday at uh, Shreveport, Bossier City. They'll take on the Dallas Mavericks. We're getting real close now. And uh, so we'll talk both sides of uh, campus today with football and basketball. Gosh, injuries were a storyline for the Saints this past weekend. And, man, is it a storyline around the NFL or what? You know, that latest news about J.J. Watt certainly hurts the Texans, but so many teams and Gosh, a lot of them even a quarterback. Uh, these first three weeks of the NFL season have been um, been marked a little bit by injuries, and and uh, so look, yes, it's a problem for the Saints and their depth, but uh, it's a problem for a lot of teams right now. Uh, Sean Payton had his uh, morning meeting with the media already today, and there are a couple of sound bites I want to play for you from that, and then also on the Saints side, we're going to check in with. Uh, Mike Triplett from ESPN.com as he uh, talks about uh, the first three weeks of the season, a little more in depth about the Atlanta game, and then a quick thought about Sunday at San Diego. When Drew Brees is motivated, not that he's not always motivated, but he's really hard to bet against. He's 2-0 and against the Chargers since uh, since they let him go after in, in 2006. Um, and this is now finally, a decade later, his first game back in San Diego. On the Pelican side, our guest today is Solomon Hill, one of the new forwards for the New Orleans Pelicans. I've seen a couple of practices already. I know Solomon Hill from his past experience in the NBA. I won't say what kind of an impact he's going to have on the floor yet, but I'm pretty sure about one thing. Solomon Hill is going to have an impact, if not already, on the Pelicans' locker room. I'm trying to play defense. That's one thing that's we're trying to beat into everybody's head around here. We have like-sized guys as far as height. As far as abilities, as far as uh, position, well, we're trying to almost get to a point where we play positionless basketball. So two great guests for you there today, Mike Triplett and Solomon Hill. All right, back to Coach Payton for a moment. Uh, three things stood out for me that I want to share with you from his uh, morning uh, meeting with the media. Number one, obviously, he was concerned after the game about the 217 yards that the Falcons gashed the Saints for rushing the football and look, uh, that feeling has not changed a whole lot for Coach Payton here on this Wednesday. You know, I, I think we're we're late. We're behind blocks. Um, consequently, we're on the ground more. We're reaching more. Um, alignments were poor. Um, in general, we didn't play well at all at linebacker. Uh, and and I would say in the front, it was very uh, average at best. So it listen, it's one of those tapes that. That, that you want to make sure there's not a ton of copies of because it isn't real pretty. Another thing that Coach talked about today was, of course, the, uh, the uh, ongoing special teams miscues. We had that muffed punt as a result of the collision of two young players. It had a huge impact on the game, and Coach Payton also spoke to that particular situation. You look to reduce, uh, and you look to, <clears throat> to 
to make sure you're you're keeping it simple. I mean, uh, look, the, that's that's it's, it's been a while. You know, typically when you're returning a punt backed up like that or fair catching a punt, you know, past 15 yards, we're off and 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 using eyes. And uh, look, it's a, a young mistake. It was costly, and you know, there's really no excuse for it. And then finally, as this was kind of a, a review and preview for Coach Payton on this Wednesday, he did uh, touch upon the, the big storyline for this weekend's game out at San Diego. Obviously, that's the fact that Drew Brees, for the first time since leaving the Chargers, will play in San Diego. They've played the Chargers before, but this is the first time, believe it or not, in 11 years that the Saints will go back to San Diego and as a result, a return there for Drew Brees and what that means for Brees in this weekend. The competitor in all of us, we just met as a team. The competitor in all of us needs to get this first win. And, look, the teams are much different, the coaching staffs, so all of the organizations. Uh, but it is a little ironic that this is the first time in 11 years that we've played at this stadium. And, you know, part of that was the London game, and, and uh, then they came back here in 12. Um, I can't think of many other venues that we haven't been to you know, in other words, 31 other NFL teams, this, this might be uh, the last one. Okay, so there's Coach Payton from this morning with the media. Obviously, the Saints will be on the practice field today, and uh, we'll have more from today's practice later on at NewOrleansSaints.com with the New Orleans Saints Afternoon Wrap presented by Acme Oyster House. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and have an amazing game night group experience that you can customize to meet your group's needs. Bring your family, friends, or coworkers, and we'll bring the fun. Make lasting memories while you sit back and enjoy the excitement of watching the world's best athletes and ask how you can be a part of the action on center court. For more information and to book your group night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup. The hearty way to fuel your game. And the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Let's continue here on this uh, Wednesday with Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. Covers the Saints on a daily basis. He's been with us before, of course. Mike, uh, thanks again for being with us. I really appreciate the visit as always. Happy to join you. Did you think the Saints would be 0-3 when you uh, started your uh, your job this year? 
No, but I, you know, I, I went through the game and predicted each game exercise we do, and I had them losing the first two. Um, I thought those were tough matchups. I, I, you know, I think everybody in the world predicted that they would win the Monday night game against the Falcons, uh, just because historically those are good setups for them. But then heading into this game, with all the injuries they had, I, I knew it wouldn't be uh, easy. So, excuse me, it's disappointing, but not necessarily shocking to see them here at this point. Let's talk about the injuries for a second, because I don't think you or I or anyone else is, is going to hear Sean Payton or the Saints locker room say, hey, look, man, we're just, I mean, look at look what's going on here with the injuries, because they're always going to say, you know, next man up and, and everything else. But, gosh, the more I think about Monday night, Mike, uh, especially on the defensive side of the football, I can't help but think that that's the biggest storyline with this group. Well, there's no doubt about it. We, we, we don't know <laughs> – we're so, we were so curious, I think, heading into the season, what their defense was going to be like. We knew that it was really bad last year and that it was a huge question mark coming into this season. But Dennis Allen had some new plans. They had a lot of new guys. And I was curious how it would translate because they looked really good in the preseason and training camp. And, and we're just not getting to see what they planned. Um, I, I can only pinpoint one guy that they <clears throat> absolutely are missing, and that's Delvin Bro. He maybe was the most irreplaceable guy on the defense, but <clears throat> they've also lost P.J. Williams, Daniel Ellerby, Tyler Davison. Um, you know, it, it just it screws up your plans when all these guys are missing, and 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 you've got to go to next man up in every position group on the defense. Kenny Vaccaro obviously was not playing in that game too, so uh, you you can't um, overstate how much of an impact that. Did the did the Falcons' loss come down to really two plays, or or is there more to it than that? Well, it came down to a lot more than just two plays. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people having nightmares of Devontae Freeman and <clears throat> Tevin Coleman running wild through their defense. Um, but sure, if the Saint if the turnover battle is zero zero, then maybe the Saints win that game forty to thirty seven. Um, if the Saints win the turnover battle two to zero, maybe they're the team that wins forty-five to thirty-two. But uh, yeah, take the turnovers out of the equation. The Saints' defense still gives up all you know those five straight touchdowns on five straight possessions. The Saints' offense just might have outscored them. There seems to be this uh, this ever widening divide between the two schools of thought, Mike, and that that is, of course. The one school being the eternally optimistic Drew Brees, who feels like things are going to click here shortly, that they're just not a heartbeat, but somewhat close to maybe turning the corner. And then you have others that are that are thinking at this point at zero three that this team is in free fall. You know, where would you where would you reside at this point? Well, I'm not going to surprise you with my answer right in the middle. Um, <laughs> but I I don't just feel that way. You know, based on my feeling from this season, uh, I can rewind and watch the last two seasons. I mean, both, they both started this way, and they both ended at seven and nine. And I do not think we're looking at a team that's on its way to one and fifteen, but I think we're looking at a team that, even if they do get things together, as as Breeze optimistically predicts, and even if they do make their way back to five hundred at some point, uh, as hard as that looks. Well, we've seen this show before. Um, you know, they and, and actually, believe it or not, it's now happened four times in the past where the Saints started either zero and three or zero and four or one and three, 
every time they got back to 500 and every time they finished exactly 7 and 9. So that's why you've got to be dire. Even if the Saints get healthier, learn from their mistakes, and get better as the season goes along, how can you predict anything other than 7 and 9? You can't predict a 10-win season when you're already 0-3. Right, right. The offensive line has been an interesting storyline even since the start of training camp, and it took another interesting turn this past week. Mike, where's that group right now? You know, they've been uh, they've been really good. It's it, you know we haven't talked about them one bit. Uh, now, Andrews Pete didn't have a perfect game in, in place of Teron Armstead, but you know we watched Drew Brees throw for 369 yards and three touchdowns when the Falcons knew he was going to throw on every down. Uh, the run game looked really good. I, I love when they, as an aside, I love when they run out of the pass formations and run those draw plays. I think that's by far their most effective run game. And so they created that balance. I don't think you can complain much about anything the offense did in this game or certainly not in the first game. It was a little disappointing uh, at New York when they only scored 13 points. But the offensive line that everybody was so panicked over in the preseason is is way down on the list of problems right now. Michael Thomas is, is proving himself as to what we thought maybe he would come out of camp as. Um, what about Brandon Coleman and Kobe Fleener? Did they take full advantage of the missing Willie Sneed scenario on Monday night? All, all, all three of those guys did, and, and there, there were two scenarios. There was missing Willie Sneed, and there was the Falcons clearly deciding that Brandon Cooks was not going to be the guy that beat him. Uh, Desmond Trufant, who's just an outstanding cornerback for the Falcons, really shadowed Cooks a lot in that game. And, and the Saints went to their other alternatives, but they all stepped up. And you're right to start with Brandon Coleman there because we don't talk about him very much, but he was really clutch in this game and really impressive. Uh, but Fleener, yes, we are talking about Fleener a lot um, because he was really off to a slow and disappointing start after signing that big contract. Um, and actually, I'm just getting ready to hit send out a story that's going to go up this afternoon on you know, they really started to find the rhythm breeze and Fleener together in the hurry-up mode. Um, it, it was it was that two-minute drill right before halftime where he hit him for a big gain and then three more big gains in the fourth quarter. Um, so maybe that will trigger something. And, and Breeze talked a lot about it after the game, about how, you know, the things they've been working on and talking about finally started to come together and how he hopes it's the light bulb moment for them. Mike Triple here from ESPN.com. Make sure you check out that piece this afternoon. Mike, two quick questions. I know we're running short on time, but before I ask you about this weekend, I do want to ask you about the uh, the sign of unity or the, the movement to, to the middle of the field after the national anthem. Look, I'm one of those guys that I've kind of just not touched the whole thing and let folks uh, express what they want to express. But I know that you at least, uh, along with Britt McHenry, had some insight as to what the Saints and Falcons were going to do and and I'm curious as to whether or not you've got some kind of a nugget that you'd be willing to share as to how that came to be on Monday night. Well, yeah, she was really ahead of the game in the reporting there and, 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 and knew some things ahead of time that uh, that they wanted to try to keep private if possible. Um, and it was kind of surprising that they did, that, that both teams kept that under wraps, even though they had worked on that. Um, but uh, I thought it was great. And, you know, we talked to Mark Ingram the other day, you know, Mark Ingram has shown his support for some of those protesters, Colin Kaepernick and others, uh, on social media. He's wanted to say, you know, he, he, he spoke really passionately about how his heart is hurting and there's too much injustice in America and it's a conversation people need to have. But you could tell he was conflicted because at the same time, he wanted to, to show support without taking away from team, without being a distraction or creating a controversy, because he said the message here is unity. 
not, you know, dividing people who have different opinions. And and so he said he wanted, he was hoping they could find something to do uh, that showed unity without coming at the expense of a team. And, and I don't think they could have come up with a, a better way to do it. And I, I think Sean Payton reached out to Dan Quinn. And I think they both realized that a lot of their players were feeling the same way. And I don't know exactly who first came up with the idea to do it this way, but I thought that, that was a great way. To, to sort of join the cause uh, while symbolizing unity. Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to see it across the league and maybe just long beyond what we're talking about here in, these, in the moment. Um, got about a minute to go here, Mike, and I really appreciate your time today. But I don't want to get off of the phone with you here without asking you about the upcoming weekend and maybe some storylines that you, you might see develop here with the Saints going out to San Diego. Well, we've got one minute, so we've got one storyline. It's the <laughs> obvious one when the schedule came out. And as I said, when I went through the games and predicted them uh, early in the year, I I predicted a, a Saints victory because when Drew Brees is motivated, not that he's not always motivated, but he's really hard to bet against. He's two and zero against the Chargers since uh, since they let him go after in, in 2006, um, and this is now finally a decade later his first game back in San Diego. Um, the injuries are going to be tough to overcome. The short week, the long trip. But uh, Drew Brees at San Diego, and by the way, Philip Rivers, the guy who replaced him 11 years ago, is one of the best quarterbacks in the league still today. So uh, uh, we're going to see a great quarterback matchup in this game. No doubt, no doubt. I'm actually looking forward to it, and uh, and uh, and it would be a great way to go into the bye uh, with a good game, you know, from those two guys. That'd be fantastic. Mike, as always, I appreciate it. Safe travels this weekend. I hope that you enjoy uh, a little break after that too. All right. Thank you. Thank you. There he goes. Mike Triplett from ESPN.com. More in a moment. Hey, fans. On Saturday, October 1st, cheer on your Pelicans as they play their first preseason game of the season against the Dallas Mavericks at the Century League Center in Bossier City. Ticket prices start at just $15 and can be purchased from the Century Link Center box office, www.ticketmaster.com, by phone at 800-745-3000 or at any authorized Ticketmaster outlet. For more, be sure to visit shreveport bosierorg or call 888-45-VISIT. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes, cancer patients come who were told they were out of options. But Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things, like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. This is Solomon Hill, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. 
One of the newest Pelicans, Solomon Hill, joins us here in uniform uh, in the studio. Uh, uniform being because we're visiting on media day, which also, Solomon, signals the start of the season and training camp. So welcome and uh, happy new year to you. Uh, thank you. You know, it, it went by really quick. I feel like yesterday um, I was kind of dealing with the free agent stuff. And before you know it, um, I've been here for about a, a little bit over a month now and, and ready to get going. How does the new uniform feel? Uh, it feels great. You know, it, it, it's just a, a lovely feeling seeing that name uh, and that number on the back of that jersey. And I'm definitely ready to represent what's on the front of it. You're wearing number 44. Just happened to be 44 or did you go after 44? Um, well, I had to ask Dante about it. You know, um, luckily, uh, me and my girlfriend did some research and Dante was a big 33 guy. You know, um, I think he got drafted 30, 33rd. Um, I think back in college he was 33. So it kind of just worked where I just asked him. You know, uh, most times you have to pay somebody to get your number back. But I just asked him, told him that 33 was freed up and he allowed me to get 44. And it's something I've had since high school. From, from folks I've talked to about you, um, you strike me as the kind of guy that would know others who have worn 44 or what kind of an impact they've had on the game. Um, what do you have in your brain about that number, and, and, and how does it relate to why you, ch why you wanted to have it? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of weird. Um, uh, when I was in uh, high school, it kind of just happened. Um, our coach had a set number of, of numbers you can pick from for a JV squad my freshman year, um, and I think uh, it, was, it was Josh Shipp. Josh, yeah. Jaron Ship, uh, before he went off to college, he had War 44 for our varsity team, and I thought it was just a cool number to have. He was a shooter. Um, it was definitely something that I wanted to become, and I just took 44. Um, ever since then, I've just it just stuck with me. You know, I think I changed my number my first year. I wore nine, and just didn't feel right. And my dad said something about it, but I'd say even crazy. You know, um, just the simple fact that my dad he always wants me to to come home and play, and I told him, you know, I I don't think I can do it. Especially if you, if you wanted me to play for the Lakers, you know, 44 would definitely would be out of question. Yes, that's what I was kind of getting at. <laughs> yeah. Especially where you're from and everything else, that number's kind of held pretty sacred out there. Definitely is, definitely is. You know, if you say that, you know, at one time you wore number nine and then it just didn't feel right, that would lead me to believe that you're a little bit superstitious. Yeah, I mean, just to a certain extent, you know, 44 has gotten me here. Uh, you know, I, I felt like I, I did a disservice by, you know, um, feeling that I, I, was, I moved past it and was beyond it and it, uh, it was part of my, you know, my history. Uh, I look at past photos of myself playing basketball when I was younger, and that 44 has just stuck with me. Some guys, like, will get their number embroidered on the headrest of their car. Oh, yeah. It's that important. Are yeah. you that fanatical about the number 44? Um, I've had shirts. Uh, I think I've had a badge put on my car with, like, kind of mixed in with my logo because um, 44 is a part of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I've seen it before. I think that's where I kind of got the idea from. Um, I know John Lucas had a – he had an Escalade, and he had his, his number and his logo stitched onto his car. And it, it's pretty cool. I think the best feeling is seeing, seeing when little kids wear it at my basketball camp. I think that's, that's pretty cool. So um, on the broadcast this year, should I refer to you as Solomon Hill or Solo? Because I hear you walking around the facility, and then everybody calls you Solo. Yeah, uh, I, have, I don't really hear Solomon a lot. Um, <laughs> I think if I'm in trouble uh, with the old lady at home or my parents, uh, they call me Solomon. But I'm used to hearing Solo so much. Who brought that up? Who started calling you Solo? Um, I want to say Julie. Uh, she asked me. She asked me, you know, uh, people call you Solomon because uh, I think Colt was calling me Solo. And she was like, you know, is it too – is it too early to call you solo? I was like, no, it's perfectly fine. I'm so used to hearing solo. So who who brought this up? Julie. Julie that works for the Pelicans. Yes, for the Pelicans, oh, yeah. I thought this was something that your teammates called you years in the oh, past. Oh, no, yeah. It, start, it started off when I was like kind of a kid. Um, my, some of my teammates, uh, they called me solo because it's just I, – I think it's weird uh, just hearing Solomon. Um, so 
only person that called me Solomon was my dad and you know uh, some of my closest teammates called me Solo or used to call me Junior so it just stuck with it I just told everybody Solo here's the deal about this team that I that I am eager to find out you can't imagine how many people come up to me right now and say hey what are the Pelicans looking like or how's this going to be this year you know with all these new guys Hill and Moore and and uh, uh, Terrence and, and I go down the list and and my answer right now Solo is is I don't know I really don't, and, and I think that kind of adds to my excitement about the season starting. What do you know, or what have you learned through kind of these unstructured workouts over the last month about what the Pelicans and, and your addition and others new to the program mean? Um, I think it's one thing that people have to understand is uh, we're trying to play defense. That's one thing that's we're trying to beat into everybody's head around here. We have like-sized guys as far as height, as far as abilities, as far as uh, position. Well, we're trying to almost get to a point where we play positionless basketball. You know, Anthony Davis is a guy that can play on the wing and the post. He can handle the ball. He can bring it up in certain aspects of the game. Um, Langston, uh, you're talking about Etwan Moore. Everybody can kind of do multiple things, and that helps us out defensively. Terrence Jones is a guy that can defend bigger positions and smaller positions. Um, and that's what we're trying to, we're trying to get, get, get at. Um, offensively, we can score the ball. Everybody knows that. Anthony Davis can score the ball with the best of them. Um, when we have a, a full, healthy team, we have a lot of score. Tyreek is another guy that people don't really talk about that can score the ball with the best of them. But defensively is where we're trying to hang our hat. Um, that's going to be the difference between, you know, uh, what we call a successful year and what we call a non-successful year. But the guys are all bonding together. I think we're all playing some great uh, great basketball in our unstructured uh, workouts. But it's just we have to gel together. We have to know one another. We have to be able to um, mix and match everybody on the court and, we all have to have a feel for each other's game. And I think that will come with just practices, uh, especially around training camp. All right, work, work with me on this because, look, I guess I've been around and that makes me old. But, you know, two things that you hear usually at the start of the season, and especially in our league at this level, uh, everybody wants to be better defensively. Everybody says they want to be better defensively. And there's no doubt that chemistry does go a long way in building winning programs. So what makes – let's start with the defensive thing first. At this level – Solomon, what would you say makes one team better defensively than another in a league where so many players and so many teams are just a hair apart from each other? Communication. Um, communication is uh, one of the biggest things and biggest things I've learned. Uh, you know, coming from the Indiana Pacers where defense was – we were, that was everything. You know, uh, we wasn't a, a great offensive team, but we did it on a defensive end. And one thing I'm trying to bring from there is communication. Uh, we had guys like – David West, um, Roy Hibbert, Paul George, all talking, all talking at one time. We're watching film. You can see that the guys are talking. You can see everybody's trying to, you know, go here, go there. And I think one thing we have to do since we have a young group of guys is, is we have to talk. Everybody can't be afraid to talk, you know. It's, it's weird. I'm trying to tell Check. you know, he's so young, and but he's a quiet guy. He has mm-hmm. to talk defensively. Um, same with Buddy. I told Buddy, you know, you were a great scorer in college. You know, you was able to get away with things defensively, but every night at your position, there's going to be somebody that is an all-star that was a could have been a college player uh, of the year. And the biggest difference between is when AD's behind you, you have to listen to what he says. When Drew's out there with you, Tim, everybody out there, when they're talking, you have to listen. Um, if guys just go out there and try to try to play defense quiet, it's not going to be it's not going to be successful. What about chemistry? How do you, how do you do it? Because again, kind of like the defensive thing, and I'm not trying to be, you know, a smart aleck here or whatever, but it's one thing to say, well, we need to gel or we want to be a tight group. It's another thing to do it. So having your experience and the guys that you've been with before, what have you noticed about what makes great chemistry and what doesn't? Understanding your role. You know, um, there's one AD out there. 
Um, when, when everybody's healthy, there's there's one Drew Holiday. You know, everybody can't go out there. If it was a perfect team, everybody would score 30. Uh, but it's not going to be like that. Some guys' job is to rebound the ball, play defense, get it out, run quick. Um, you see that with teams that, that win successfully. You look at the Cavaliers and what they did. Tristan Thompson is a guy that he just told every night, I'm going to work harder than the next man. I'm going to get every rebound I can and get another opportunity for, for my, my teammates. We have, to have, we have to have guys buy into that. Um, I know I'm, com I'm coming here to play defense, stretch the floor, uh, make things happen for other people. I can't. I don't want to step out of my role, you know, for my selfish, my own selfish reasons and personal agenda. And I think that's where we have to get to uh, understanding, you know, where's our go-to, where's our money maker, um, and, and what guys need to do on both ends of the floor. I have a feeling we're going to have some very good conversations over the next few months. Oh, I look forward to it. Yeah, me too. To I really do. Solomon Hill with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll be right back. Take flight with your New Orleans Pelicans and host your birthday party, corporate event, or a holiday party in a Pelicans luxury suite. No matter who you're entertaining, let the Pelicans take the hassle out of finding a venue and planning world-class entertainment. Luxury suites are available now for the games throughout the Pelican season, giving you great seats to see the biggest stars in the NBA. For more information and to book your luxury suite night, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious chunky chicken and sausage gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Daniel Salerson and Cassie Calvert will be hosting tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Hope you'll join them for ongoing discussion regarding the Pelicans and training camp and, of course, the Saints and preparations for the San Diego Chargers. Um, one note, a programming note on the radio side, the uh, Pelicans Radio Network uh, gets their new year started tomorrow night. Daniel Salerson will be hosting uh, the um, debut show, the uh, Alvin Gentry Show, Episode 1, tomorrow night, and newly expanded on WRNO, that's 99.5 on your FM dial, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. It is now a full hour. We had gone, what, 30 minutes a show the last couple of years. It's a full hour now. We'll encourage your phone calls and your interaction via social media with Daniel. We'll, of course, hear from head coach Alvin Gentry and a whole lot more to kind of set the table for the first preseason game and, uh, and here in this uh, – first week of training camp. Daniel also writing me a note telling me he's got tickets for opening night to give away. Wow, that's awesome. Tomorrow night, the Alvin Gentry Show, 7 to 8 p.m. on the flagship station of the Pelicans Radio Network. Thanks again to Mike Triplett today, Coach Payton, and of course, Solomon Hill. Hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. We'll see you right back here next time on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. 
Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.